Dear loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that you have given us an opportunity to convene and to study your word, to hear the words of life, an opportunity to acquaint ourselves with the Lord and be at peace, to attain the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, help us to rightly divide the word of truth and that in the knowledge of God we may have life. Lord, I am the one to speak and I pray that you put your words in my mouth. Lord, look not on my own iniquities and help me, Lord, for the sake of your children who are listening. Put your words in my mouth and help me that I will speak words of life, that we all may be blessed in Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, January 12. God's character revealed. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The fall of man, with all its consequences, was not hidden from the omnipotent. Redemption was not an afterthought a plan formulated after the fall of Adam, but an eternal purpose suffered to be wrought out for the blessing not only of this atom of a world, but for the good of all the worlds that God had created. When man sinned, all heaven was filled with sorrow. Out of harmony with the nature of God, unyielding to the claims of his law, not but destruction was before the human race. Since the divine law is as changeless as the character of God, there could be no hope for man unless some way could be devised whereby his transgression might be pardoned, his nature renewed, and his spirit restored to reflect the image of God. Divine love had conceived such a plan. In the work of creation, Christ was with God. He was one with God, equal with Him. He alone, the Creator of man, could be His Savior. No angel of heaven could reveal the Father to the sinner and win him back to allegiance to God. But Christ could manifest the Father's love. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. Christ could be the day's man between a holy God and lost humanity, one who could lay his hand upon us both. Job chapter 9 verse 33. He proposed to take upon himself the guilt and shame of sin, sin so offensive in the sight of God that it would necessitate separation from his Father. Christ proposed to reach to the depths of man's degradation and woe and restore the repenting, believing soul to harmony with God. Christ, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, offered himself as a sacrifice and substitute for the fallen sons of Adam. Through creation and redemption, true nature and true Christ, the glories of the divine character are revealed. By the marvelous display of his love in giving his only begotten Son, 
the character of God is revealed to the intelligences of the universe. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is God's Character Revealed. As we have gone through the fall of man, the putting of enmity between man and Satan, the plan of salvation, as we saw yesterday, the star of hope, Jesus Christ. We ask ourselves some questions, especially some people who look at the woe and the trouble and all the evil that is going on in the world sometimes. There's some kind of irreverence, irreverential curiosity that leads people to ask the question, did God know that Satan was going to sin? Did he know that after creation, man was going to eat that fruit? If he knew, why did he place it there? And then, if he knew that man was going to eat it and that we are going to suffer like we are suffering today, why did he create us? Like I said, those are questions of irreverence. But nevertheless, God suffers it. He has no problem with it. I'm not offended with the question, neither do I think um, God is offended with it. He knows that it's a lack of understanding on man's path to ask that question because man thinks that his sin has caused him more sorrow than it has caused God because man forgets that the person who has really suffered, who has actually made a sacrifice is only one person and that is Jesus Christ. And that is why because there is a blindness in our eyes and we cannot see it. That's why we ask that question. Did God know that Satan was going to sin? Yes. Did he know Adam would sin? Yes. Did he know all this and yet he went ahead? Yes. Did he know that man's sin, man was not going to bear the penalty? Yes. Did he know that it was himself who would have to permanently leave his divine nature in the sense of what he was physically that he would have to take upon himself human nature permanently did he know that yes did he know that he was going to come on this earth as a little babe and suffer in poverty first of all suffer under the hands of the jews who were spying on him constantly suffer finally betrayal by his own friend and disciple and a cruel shameful death on the cross did he know this was what he was going to pass through and yet he still insisted on creating man that is a more appropriate question than to ask whether he knew we were going to suffer what has man suffered and what are we going to enjoy in the end who has really made a sacrifice that we give up our sins for righteousness, is that the sacrifice? That mansions will be given to us when we are faithful? That we will be elevated from humanity to the divine nature? Is that the sacrifice? That we will live forever and ever and will have a life that is equal in eternity to the life of God? Is that what we call a sacrifice? That is no sacrifice. That is actually gain. But I'll tell you what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is when people come to heaven and some will see Jesus and ask, what are these wounds in your hands? And then 
he would respond to them, There are wounds that I got in the house of my friends. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 6 referring to some questions that those who make it to heaven will ask Jesus. It says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Do you know what it is to be wounded in the house of your friend? Do you understand that answer that Jesus gave? those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. In other words, this is the wound that came from betrayal. This is the wound that came from mistrust. This is the wound that came from Adam and Eve committing their love to the devil instead of to Jesus. This is the wound that came from Adam and Eve looking at sin as a little thing but not only Adam and Eve, you and I also. That is a real sacrifice. And then the the side of Jesus, where he was pierced, when he resurrected, it was still there. And the wounds, the scars in his hands will be there permanently. They will, it's a gaping wound, by the way. It's not just a wound that one would see and there's a covering of the flesh. As far as I can understand, it's a gaping wound, one that you can see through. And they will answer, what is that? How come your hand is open like this? And the simple answer is, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And who is that friend? It's not just Adam and Eve. It is you and I. We are the friends that caused the hole in Jesus' hands. That caused him to have that humanity till today. That is sacrifice. So we can ask, did Jesus know all of this? That he was going to come to this earth and suffer and all the things I listed earlier and much more of course because that's not the only suffering that God has passed through since man sinned God has passed through great suffering as he beheld Adam and Eve switch their allegiance to the devil and every time man has reflected the image of the devil instead of the image of God it has been painful to him imagine your own wife you see a video of your wife or your husband having sex with another man or with another woman. That is what God has been enduring, adultery. The adultery of man, the adultery of you and me, that is what he has been enduring for years, ever since man sinned. It has been a painful experience for him. But then, God's character revealed. Our key text for this devotion is beautiful. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet committing the adultery, sleeping with someone else that is not our husband or wife, while we were yet sinners, while we were still doing it, we had not repented, still in the relationship, Christ died for us. How many husbands or wives will do that? Let us go back to our key text for this whole devotion for the year. Philippians 3 verse 7 to 11. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And in verse 10 he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. To have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ is to understand 
that it is Jesus who bears the penalty for our sins. That it is he who has suffered. Like we read in our devotion that I may know him, page 18, paragraph 4, he proposed to take upon himself the guilt and shame of sin, sin so offensive in the sight of God that it would necessitate separation from the Father. Christ proposed to reach to the depths of man's degradation and woe and restore the repenting, believing soul to harmony with God. Christ, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, offered himself as a sacrifice and substitute for the fallen sons of Adam. End of quote. That I may know him, as I understand that this is what Christ did, it is not just to say, Oh Lord, thank you, but to know Jesus is to be transformed into the same image. Galatians 6 verse 1 to 3 now instructs us to do what Jesus did. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Who bore our burdens? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And I learned the lesson too, that if anyone is overtaken in a fault, we have to restore like Jesus did in the spirit of meekness, bearing one another's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ. Again, I see something else of Christ's character as in the matter of um, the husband and the wife, the relationship. You know, in the book of Ephesians, 20, Ephesians 5, verse 22 down to 32, we are admonished that husbands should love their wives just as Christ loved the church. And it's an example of what he did for us in dying for our sins. It says in verse 26, from verse 25, husbands love your wives. And then in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever hated his own flesh but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the lord the church for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So I'm saying that another lesson we can learn as we behold what Jesus did while we were yet sinners dying for us, it shows us how we should. Those who are strong, I help those who are weak. Jesus was strong, we were weak, he helped us, he bore our burdens, and it was while we were yet sinners great love. This is the character of God being revealed to us. God is loving. Like we read in John 3.16, it is not just the Son or the Word, Jesus Christ, that loves us. Jesus himself said in John 16 verse 26 to 28, At that day ye shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. So, what is Jesus saying here? The Father himself is involved and he loves us. And we see the character of God, the Son, the Father, revealed in the plan of salvation. And all we see there is love, love, love. When Moses requested to see the glory of God, and God said, I will show you my glory. In the book of Exodus 34, when God finally appeared before Moses, it says, and the, in, verse, in verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, 
the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Amen. What do we learn from here? This is the character of God revealed. And what was the first thing we read? The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Let's dwell on that for a while. That is the character of God revealed to us. So when we want to ask the question again, why did God allow this to happen when he knew that this was what it was going to lead to? We should also remember that God, when sin did abound, grace did abound much more. And this grace came through none other than Jesus. And how did he come through Jesus? Through his death. Not just, oh, grace came to Jesus. How? That he just spoke it? No, he didn't speak it. He had to die. He had to suffer. And he has taken upon himself a sacrifice. When you say sacrifice, he's gone. You're not going to get him back. You can't call something a sacrifice when you give it and then you get something back. We claim we make sacrifices, but we never make any sacrifice. The only person who makes a real sacrifice is Jesus Christ. For man, he only gives something to get something better back. Even the good things we think we give up, God is going to give us something back that is infinitesimally better than whatever you gave up on this earth so can we say we make sacrifices no only one person makes a sacrifice our lord jesus he's the only one and that's why he is merciful keeping in keeping keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but then there's another part of god's character revealed because if this other part of his character was not there there will be no need for sacrifice so the text continues in exodus 34 verse 7 and says and that will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation this is the justice of God and this is why there's need for mercy. This is why there's need for a sacrifice. For God knows that sin must receive his just penalty. If not, there was no need for him to die. The reason why he died for man is because he knows that if there is no payment or atonement for sin, the punishment will surely come. And it's not coming from anybody externally. It is coming from the same merciful God. He is the one that will dish out the penalty for sin, which is death. The kind of death is death in the lake of fire. He is the one who will dish it out. What we are facing now is the consequence of our sin, which he has no part in. After, because man has sinned, now we are in mortal flesh, corruptible flesh, and we die. It's not God's fault. But he will give the penalty of sin finally. And because he knows that justice must be dished out, he gives mercy through his own death. And that is why those who reject the mercy of God will have to face the penalty for their sins. This is the character of God revealed, a, a, a good blend of mercy and justice, like it says, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That is the character of God. Again, in the book of Exodus 20 verse 6, it says there that God shows mercy to thousands that love him and keep his commandments. So this is the character of God being revealed. But we read something in the devotion 
that the plan of salvation or the fall of man with all its consequences was not hidden from the omnipotent. Redemption was not an afterthought, a plan formulated after the fall of Adam, but an eternal purpose, suffered to be wrought out for the blessing not only of this atom of a world, but for the good of all the worlds that God has created. And let me just re-emphasize that, God did not create only the earth, there are other worlds that God created. And we can see that in the book, Hebrews chapter 1, reading from verse verse 1 and 2. It says there, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, had in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, and he says, by whom also he made the worlds. He didn't say he made, made the earth. He made the worlds. There are other worlds with inhabitants that God created. Now, back to what we read. The plan of salvation, the death of Jesus, was not just for this earth, but it was for the good of all the worlds that God created. To explain this better, I'll read Patriarchs and Prophets, page 68, paragraph 2 and downward, telling us what really happened that day that man sinned. It says, The act of Christ in dying for the salvation of man would not only make heaven accessible to man, but before all the universe, it would justify God and his Son in their dealing with the rebellion of Satan. It would establish the perpetuity of the law of God and would reveal the nature and results of sin. From the first, the great controversy had been upon the law of God. Satan had sought to prove that God was unjust, that his law was faulty, and that the good of the universe required it to be changed. In attacking the law, he aimed to overthrow the authority of its author. In the controversy, it was to be shown whether the divine statutes were defective and subject to change, or perfect and immutable. Page 69, paragraph 2 tells us, But God gave his own dear son, because everybody was expecting, what would God do now that man has sinned? He says, But God gave his own dear son, one equal with himself, to bear the penalty of transgression. And thus, he provided a way by which they might be restored to his favor and brought back to their Eden home. Christ undertook to redeem man and to rescue the world from the grasp of Satan. The great controversy begun in heaven was to be decided in the very world on the very same field that Satan claimed as his. It was the marvel of all the universe that Christ should humble himself to save fallen man. So, the character of God that was revealed after sin was something that people had never seen, the angels had never seen. All they knew was God in the way they knew him, the mighty God, and they worship him. But they had never understood or seen anything called humility. They had never seen anything called mercy. They had never seen anything called long-suffering. They had never seen anything called forbearance. They had never seen anything called patience. These characters of God were revealed because of sin. The self-denial of God was revealed because of sin. And the angels, as they beheld, they were changed into the same image. Because they themselves had never exercised mercy, not because they were wicked people. There had never been any reason for them to exercise mercy. But whatever God did, that's what they were going to do. So God was revealing his character to angels, to the world, because all eyes were on him. Satan has sinned, what are you going to do? Man has sinned, what are you going to do? And then they saw something they had never seen. Long-suffering. A patience that matches infinity a mercy that is so great a kindness that is so good they had never seen the like before instead of destroying man 
God showed mercy, denied himself his pleasures, denied himself remaining in his own nature and came down to this earth, took upon himself the nature of man to die for our sins. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 69, paragraph 3. His death had answered the question whether the Father and the Son, that's Jesus' death, had answered the question whether the Father and the Son had sufficient love. Yes, you love, but is your love strong enough? They had answered the question whether God and the Son, the Father and Son, had sufficient love for man to exercise self-denial and a spirit of sacrifice. Satan had revealed his true character as a liar and a murderer. It was seen that the very same spirit with which he had ruled the children of men who were under his power, he would have manifested if permitted to control the intelligences of heaven. With one voice, the loyal universe united in extolling the divine administration. Amen. The character of God is revealed in various ways by his choice to die. It shows all the things I've said before, mercy, long-suffering, because you cannot exercise mercy until somebody is in need of it. You cannot show patience until somebody tries your patience. You cannot be long-suffering until you actually have to bear somebody's insult. You cannot be self-denying until you have to give up something for someone else. And Jesus was finally placed in a condition where these things were revealed. The angels don't even know the word called sacrifice. If not that God showed it to them, then a word called sacrifice was now existing. There was no word called mercy until Jesus showed it. There was not a word called patience until it was needed to be acted out. And when it was acted out, a word came out and we know it today as patience because God revealed that character. And the angels, like I said, they don't know any of these things. And they cannot manifest it until they see their Lord behave in forbearance, patience, kindness, love, mercy, long-suffering, then they themselves as they behold him were transformed. Another character of God that was revealed is his eternality. It's his immutability, his unchangeableness, the immutability of his law. Reading from Patriots on Prophet, page 70, paragraph 1, it tells us if the law could be changed, man might have been saved without the sacrifice of Christ. But the fact that it was necessary for Christ to give his life for the fallen race proves that the law of God will not release the sinner from its claims upon him. It is demonstrated that the wages of sin is death. When Christ died, the destruction of Satan was made certain. But if the law was abolished at the cross, as many claim, then the agony and death of God's dear Son was endured only to give to Satan just what he asked. Then the prince of evil triumphed. His charges against the divine government were sustained. The very fact that Christ bore the penalty of man's transgression is a mighty argument to all created intelligences that the law is changeless, that God is righteous, merciful, and self-denying, and that infinite justice and mercy unite in the administration of his government. Amen. End of quote. So that's another character of God that is revealed, and that is, he is unchangeable. The law of God does not change and it is eternal. It will remain forever. If, as Jesus chose to die, what was revealed is, okay, the law cannot change. Because there were two options. Either change the law so that man will no longer be a sinner. That law that makes him a sinner, change it. Or take his life. God did not take his life. Neither did he change the law. Instead, he did something else. He came down and died. The law did not change. It remained as it was. Man did not die. He still has a chance. But what happened is a character that we have not seen, that angels had not seen before, was revealed. A plan to save man. Signs of the Times, November 24, 1890, paragraph 5, says to us, 
in the cross is an unanswerable argument as to the immutability of the divine law. Looking to Calvary, we can see how vain a man's efforts when devoid of Christ's merit to give them efficiency. The great acquisition to an impenitent world is the cross of Calvary. Paul gloried in the cross, and well he might, for it was here that he humbled himself, that he might be lifted up to true greatness. The price paid for his redemption reveals to him the value of his soul. Let's pause a while and understand that statement now. Do you know the value of your soul? Look at Jesus. The price paid for your redemption is the value of your soul. And that is why the cross is to mean everything to you. The price paid for our redemption should make us realize that God values us. The Son of God, I continue to read, the Son of God had to die for the sins that Paul had committed, and you also and me. The blood shed on the cross was for him to save him from eternal ruin. The precious blood of Christ was of such value that a full atonement was made for the guilty soul, and this was to Paul his glory. It was through the blood of Christ that he had redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. End of quote. I pray that God will impress these words so deeply in my own heart and in yours too. When you read Paul saying, I glory in the cross, the truth is that you can read that in for a long time and you don't understand what he means. What does he mean to glory in the cross? This thing I have read just now from Signs of the Times, November 24, 1890, paragraph 5, should be something we take our time to meditate on through the day so that we can understand the value of our soul and realize that it is through that cross that we are elevated, that it is through that cross that our sins are forgiven. It is through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary that we realize that a full atonement is made for all the sins we commit. That is why we should glory in the cross. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Dear loving Father in heaven, as we see your character revealed, we want the same character to be revealed in us. Help us to be loving, to be merciful, to bear one another's burdens, to have the mind of Christ and fulfill the law of Christ, to be long-suffering, to be patient, to be kind, to be loving, to be self-denying, to make sacrifices as we may. Help us, Lord, that the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts and that we may glory in the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org